Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organizations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Well, Natasha and Rob, welcome to the podcast. Fantastic to have you along as I'm sitting here in, a, uh, in Brisbane and you're way over on the other side of Australia uh, in WA. Perhaps... Um, Let's get the conversation started by telling us a little bit about uh, your professional responsibilities in this uh, this wonderful business that you run together. Maybe Natasha, uh, you can give us an introduction to uh, Title Solutions. Okay, so the company started 12 years ago. We saw a, a gap in the market where we thought we could offer a great service to our clients in mining maintenance. So we decided to give it a go and both took on roles within the business and resigned from our current our roles that we were doing at the time and started business with one other staff member. And now we've grown it to, on an average, over 100 staff each day. Wow, that's fantastic. And uh, I always admire uh, couples that can work together and live together. <laughs> it, uh, it takes a certain level of uh, patience and uh, cooperation, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> I started my business with my wife and unfortunately she is now my former wife. So uh, uh, <laughs> I take my hat off to you. I, it was a, uh, uh, I was not successful in walking the path that you have. And my business, I started around the same time back in uh, okay. 2009. And so when you say you've got 100 people a day, you know, that there are 100 people who are out on your various clients, some um, sites uh, doing maintenance work. Correct. Great. And Rob, what, what sort of scope of works do you offer? Um, basically, our, our primary um, primary service as such is mechanical maintenance. So pretty much anything within the fixed plant realm, conveyors, yep. stackers, crushers, uh, reclaimers, shiploaders, et cetera, and the, uh, and the time around that. So, Okay. Um, right. And I know that uh, whilst you have an office in Perth, you guys are based in Perth. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about where your head office is and where uh, or how it came about to be there. Um, in the mining downturn, we pretty much uh, had an opportunity to diversify from our Pilbara operation right. um, into the Goldfield region. Um, at that stage, we had a very small satellite office in Perth, uh, predominantly looking after our recruitment and um, from that we pretty much yeah we formed a team to service goldfields regions right um, and obviously within that uh, there was a need for a, a kind of a larger setup and hence the reason why we've now um, you know relatively large workshop office space within Canningvale and and service our clients needs out of there. Okay, fantastic. And uh, uh, who are some of the clients that you're working with? Um, there's, in, in Perth particularly, in the Goldfields regions, there's Anglo Gold Ashanti, um, Plutonic. There's, uh, from here, we, we service the likes of um, Cidic Pacific um, in Sino um, and obviously as a base to service our Pilbara clients as well. 
Okay, fantastic. Well, let's come back and talk a bit more about the business uh, uh, a little later in the conversation. But uh, interestingly, I know, Rob, your background uh, was very much in this space. So let's talk a little bit about your background and then talk a little bit about your background after that, Natasha. So, Rob, take us back to, you know, um, your early career and, and how you ended up working in this sector and, and some of the things that you were doing before title. Well, um, having grown up in the Pilbara, um, as most kind of young men do, uh, or young people nowadays, um, look for an apprenticeship within a trade. Right. Um, I managed to secure one of those within Rogue River Iron Associates back in the day as a boilermaker. Um, from there, um, finished an apprenticeship out at Cape Lambert um, in the Pilbara. Uh, predominantly... Um, worked for Rio Tinto or a subsidiary thereof for the following years thereafter the apprenticeship and spent about 10 years, I think, working within the rail system of Rio Tinto as it became uh-huh. um, and had an opportunity to diversify in into the engineering realm within the or engineering group within the Cape Lambert um, engineering team. Right. And uh, was your your parents, were they working in the mining industry as well or were they doing something different to that? No, totally different. Um, my parents, um, we had a fish and chip shop actually. Okay. In, in Point Sampson, which is very close to the, uh, very close to the local mining town as such. Uh-huh. Um, it was quite, um, quite well known back in the day. Right. And yeah, from there... Yeah, I literally jumped out of that, out of the right. fire, as, as they say. And, <laughs> out, um, out, of, out of the deep fryer into the, uh, the deep fryer. Into the mine. Into Fantastic. The mine. And were your, your parents, uh, did they have a reputation for making the best, best chips in town? Uh, they certainly did. They certainly did. If you, were to, <laughs> if you were to ask a few people about Moby's Kitchen right. in, uh, in the Pilbara, they'd, they would certainly know exactly who you were talking about. Oh, great. And how long did they own that shop for? Uh, about 20 odd years. Okay. Yeah. You weren't inspired to go down the entrepreneurial business owner route until later, obviously. Obviously. Um, Yeah. And so working with Rio Tinto and then moving and working for Sandvik. Yeah. Left, um, left Rio Tinto again, an an opportunity as part of that mining boom. Um, Sandvik were providing a, an after sales service in regards to, maintenance requirements on their balance machines, so the yeah. stackers, reclaimers, uh, shiploaders. And, um, yeah, there were, uh, through, through an associate, a, a good mate, um, we basically provided that service. So, And that grew from a, you know, I think it was a $2 million kind of turnover for Sandvik, even their after sales, and we grew that to a, from memory, it was about twenty-five million right. uh, turnover. So that was, you know, it was a huge growth for Sandvik in the after-sales support on their machines. So they didn't actually provide that in um, in any like specific means. So yeah, for us, it was a um, yeah, it was a, a very good situation to be in. Obviously, because they, because it was part of the boom at the time, so services were in demand um, and. Yeah, it was just everything aligned very well at the time. Fantastic. And before we move into talking about the formation of title, uh, Natasha, you obviously had a very different background. Tell us a little bit about your professional history. So I come from the banking and travel industry. 
Mm-hmm. Rob and I had a travel agency for about five years that we loved. Um, wasn't probably the most profitable business in the world, but we got to see a lot of the world while we owned it. And I was also a manager of the local bank in Wickham. Uh-huh. So that gave me some business uh, back- background as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so was it, uh, so which came first, the bank or the travel agency? The bank. I started at the bank when I was 16. Okay. And then I went to work for ANSET before mm-hmm. they were, were defunct, yep. um, which I loved. And then I brought the local travel agency and an offer came in across my desk to say, do you want to buy this? And, um, yeah, I gave it a shot. So it was a, probably a really good business to dip my toe into the business world because it was very small cost you know, expenses out each month. So, yeah. and it was only myself and one other staff member. So it was uh-huh. quite an easy business to run now looking back at the age of 26. It was a good learning curve for me um, to learn how to pay the rent of, you know, uh, the local shop and sure. and how to manage staff. So, yeah, it was a good learning curve. Good. And did you uh, specialise in any particular type of travel or are you more a, a generalist type agent? Generalist, yeah. Okay. Generalist because we have, you know, a, quite a, a broad community, especially a lot of Eastern European um, immigrants in, uh-huh. the, in the town at the time. So we did a lot of trips back home for them. Okay. And <laughs> was the decision to wind up the travel agency in order to start um, title or uh, had you wound it up? Previously. We had wound it up previously. Right. Yeah. And, and what sort of motivated that? You just felt that there wasn't the opportunity to really succeed to the level that you wanted to? Uh, yes, and I'd been working in this in the little shopping centre all of my career, basically, and I felt like I needed to get out of that. Right. And plus we decided we wanted to start a family. So, you know, it was a chicken or the egg. Do I get rid of the business and try and start a family? So it was just, right. yeah. So an offer came in to say we're happy to buy it. So I jumped out and, yeah. Okay, great. And so what was the gap between getting out of the travel agency and starting title? Uh, about four years. Oh, so, um, so well, and meanwhile in that period, you know, uh, starting families and, and putting starting your attention family. there. And I also um, worked for a major, one of the major travel agencies in Karatha just doing all of their um, bookwork administration, right. running their side of the company so that, um, you know, their owner could focus on doing what she needed to do. So that was really good for me because it gave me some part-time work while being a new mum as well. Good on you. And so, Rob, what was the inspiration for starting Title? It sounds as though, you know, things were going well for you at Sandvik. Um, uh, what... Uh, motivated the two of you to sort of make the step into uh, being business owners? Um, the, the, basically, the catalyst was that we were providing a service to a client. In between that, we were getting contractors to fill certain positions that we couldn't do in-house. Yep. Um, from that, basically, we thought, well, we know, we know a lot of people within the industry that could do that, to do that role, uh, not necessarily... On the, through their own company, so we knew that we we knew people that could do the role hands on role. Yep. We went well if they can do the role hands on. Well, why wouldn't we then start a company, employ these people, and put them in that role? Right. But then we obviously couldn't do that whilst we're still working for Sam. So. Right. And so the idea was uh, more so that. Uh, you would be able to provide a range of different services and solutions and you'd have a, 
uh, flexible workforce of different people with different skills as the clients required the different types of work. Correct. Correct. Okay. And, that's, and that was, you know, we had initially um, determined that, you know, through high-pressure water blasting and basic mechanical and boiler making of fabrication services, et cetera, would certainly fill a void within the local area, mm-hmm. um, of which it, it certainly did that and grew substantially thereafter. Okay. And so um, 12 years ago, the two of you started this business with one employee, and uh, here we are 12 years later, you know, with 100 people out on site every day. What, what were some of the key milestones, Natasha, um, you know, during the 12-year period? If you had to sort of pick, you know, a couple of uh, moments where the business really transformed or took a substantive shift, what would you, what would you say? Uh, I can remember sitting in my office and we had, I think, about eight employees at the time and overnight we grew to 25 employees. And I can remember saying to Rob, I don't know how we're going to do this. How are we going to manage these people? We don't have the skills to do this. Um, But, of course, you grow as the business grows. So we've just naturally evolved slowly over that 12 years. We did have a substantial jump back in 2000. 14, I think it was, where we jumped quite a huge amount of staff came in and learned, having to learn that, you know, you can't get to know them all personally. You know their names and, you know, you have a general chat, but, you know, not knowing their kids' birthdays, that was a that was a that um, was something that we struggled to cope with to start with after being such a tight-knit group. Yeah. Um, some milestones, Rob. Let's talk about um, the first major shutdown that we did when we had the 120 staff that came in when we were only sort of had 20 staff. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it was a it was a project to replace you know some conveyor components um, for a client, and it was a full fabrication um, and install package. And you know, it for us it was a it was a defining project. It, everything went. Very, very well, and um, you know, it kind of brought home the fact that you know, our business is, you know, productive. It's you know very, very safe. It's a good company to work for, and the the feedback that we got after that from both clients and the the personnel within that shop was was awesome to hear. Because you know, they right. were they were basically you know saying these things to us that we kind of hoped were were happening and and we believed that it was but then to actually have it clarified and and um and the feedback was yeah was great to hear oh that's excellent so a couple of things out of that so firstly um you know natasha you made the comment you know we started to have this business and all of a sudden we've got 25 employees and we go oh do we have the skills and so on over the sort of the 12 years have you looked externally to for support to skill up? I mean, have you had yeah. business, you had coaches? Or I, I note from your LinkedIn profile, you've either completed or you're completing an MBA. But what you know, what when you started to identify these skill gaps, you know, what did you do to um, uh, to make sure that you were able to uh, to grow as the business grows, as you said? So probably about four years, maybe five years ago, once we really diversified into gold, we both realised that this was probably bigger than what we had the capacity to run with because, you know, you only know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. So at that stage, we had a general manager working for us. 
he had come out of Rio Tinto, so was very good at managing large budgets, but not a small business. So we all realised that very quickly that we needed to skill up. So um, we got a, a business advisor that basically helps work with Rob and I on the high level um, strategy um, and the implementation of that strategy. So we meet with him probably every two months. Okay. And um, and I'm also, like you said, doing my MBA because I realised that I needed to grow the business, but I didn't know how I could do that because I didn't have the skill level. So mm-hmm. the only way to get the skill was to go out and find it and educate myself. So, yeah, so I'm halfway through my MBA and and it's, it's I've learnt so much from it. You know, I think that I'm a different manager to what I was before I started. Oh, that's excellent. And uh, it sounds to me as though that same uh, advisor slash coach, you're still working with that same person through that whole yeah. period. Yeah, absolutely. And um, he's so important to us, especially to bounce ideas off each other. You know, as husband and wife, it's easy to sort of get caught up either in the positive or the negative of whatever your side of the argument is, but to have that <laughs> third person say, yeah, it's okay. I'm sure, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a, he's a part-time coach, part-time marriage counsellor. <laughs> <laughs> he works well. He's very clever. <laughs> well, that's excellent. Uh, you know, I've, I've had various different coaches uh, and advisors in my business, you know, over the years, and sometimes you sort of reach a point where you feel that you've outgrown their advice or or you need a different skill set to mm-hmm. face the new things that you're dealing with. So the fact that you've been able to work with somebody for you know an extended period of time is excellent. And, and the comment that you made, Rob, you know, about winning this major piece of work, I can imagine that, um, you know, there's some pretty serious competitors in the market. Uh, uh, so what did you need to do in order to, develop the level of trust in these clients that they would be giving you these bigger projects now? Um, basically, em- employing the right people. That's, you know, for us, it's a, it's, a major, it's a major component of the things that we do is having the right people in the right space to be able to, you know, drive these projects and deliver what the clients are after. So, you know, having, having those people within those positions and also just, you know, having the the background process procedures, um, documentation, et cetera, that's required to deliver these projects to clients. And I suppose then having the feedback from um, projects completed in past um, and having a reputation of being able to complete those projects on time, on budget and safely certainly certainly helps deliver that. And... It is a very competitive employment market in the mining industry in WA. So in order to attract, you know, the people that you need, what what sort of things have you done to position yourself as an employer of choice? Uh, we, we, well, we try, where, wherever we can, we try to develop the person when, once they're in the role. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we, we offer... We we like to call it a family based environment, um, and basically because it is it's, you know, at the top is is Natasha and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know it is a relatively tight knit group of people, and you know it, I think everybody's out there to actually achieve company goals as well as their own personal goals. So, mm-hmm. um, really, that's that's about what we offer. Right. Okay. Anything that you'd add to that, Natasha? 
I'd have to agree with Rob. I, I think that ensuring that we are connected to our team is really important because it pushes right down through the culture. So um, it's important to us that our staff know that we expect them to go to their children's sports days or assemblies if that's possible. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we really value the family needs to come first for these people, especially the fly and fly out. Mm-hmm. people that are away from their families for expend, extended times. If they need to and can be at home for their son or daughter's birthday or their wife's birthday, we do whatever we can within our power to ensure that the workflow can allow that to happen. So the flexibility, I think, is so important and just understanding where each person comes from because, you know, what's right for you is certainly probably not right for me. So. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of pushes right down through our culture. Great. And, uh, you know, in your industry, which is notoriously non-family friendly, you know, an Mm. absolute breath of fresh air, I can only imagine that how much people would appreciate that. And so we're sitting here now. It's almost Christmas, uh, you know, 2021. Uh, If you look out to the future now, you know, what what are you excited about for the future of uh, Tidal over the next few years? Um, I'm, I think there's a there's an awful lot of opportunity for growth. Um, there are there are a lot of players within the field, but there's also an awful lot of work um, that can happen. You know, over the over the next, um, I'd be thinking ten years, and really because there are a, a specific amount of mines that are opening at the moment, uh, or in construction, which are additional to. Um, the current, the current mines, yeah, uh, within the obviously the the Pilbara region, but uh, within the Goldfield region as well, there there's some expansion and and other maintenance opportunities there. So there are definitely definitely room for for yeah business growth. Right. So. Do you have a vision to broaden uh, geographically the business? You know, out of WA, potentially looking at other states. Uh, that, that would be part of Tidal, or is that not really on the radar for you? Uh, currently, with the current border restrictions, <laughs> possibly not. Fair um, enough. No, we did we did actually look at this uh, about uh, three years ago, uh, and when we were very much on the borderline of setting up an operation within the Queensland uh, facilities over there. Yeah, but we got to a stage where. Uh, Finding the specific personnel that we needed or to, needed to maintain over there was getting harder due to the amount of infrastructure works that was happening. Right. So we we didn't actually pull that trigger, and now looking at it, we're probably grateful that we didn't with the with the COVID situation, etc. So you know, for us, the um, the timing probably wasn't there for that. Okay. And what about broadening the scope of services that you offer? Um, it sounds like you've got quite a comprehensive offering, but are there new markets or new solutions that you've got in the back of mind that you'd like to you know, pursue in the future? Absolutely. Um, there are multiple, multiple options there. Um, what, they, what they look like and, and, and how they develop, obviously, we would, we would need to speak to the right people. Yeah, to actually sure. make that happen, uh, but there's there definitely definitely space for, I suppose you know service development to existing and and potentially new clients. So. Mm-hmm. And seeing as you mentioned earlier, you know we are coming, you know we've been through this you know crazy COVID period, which hopefully is uh, 
drawing to a conclusion, but uh, how has COVID affected the business? It's made it, uh, it's definitely made it more durable. Okay. Uh, we saw we saw a lot of people unable to uh, unable to attend work. Um, it was I think it was very fortunate that it was a personal business. Um, really, just for the fact that we looked after those people that had looked after us for an awful lot of awful lot of years. Yep. And it saw us through through that heavy period. So. Great. Oh, that's awesome. And. Um... You mentioned earlier that you love traveling, and so I, I can only imagine that uh, uh, if that's something that you're passionate about, it must be pretty frustrating in that regard as well. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we really only only started traveling not all that long ago, really. Um, but you know, to now not have that option is it's quite, a, I suppose, a little bit frustrating considering we live in the Pilbara. Yeah, uh, we come down to Perth obviously for work, so we work in both spaces. So for us to have a break, it's really to get actually travel to have a break. So we're not allowed to actually travel anywhere at the moment. <laughs> certainly looking for, forward to those borders opening up again. Oh, very good. Natasha, is there a particular overseas destination that uh, is top of the list for when you can travel again? Uh, probably France or Spain, one of those would be nice. Just okay. to have a little, but, you know, very conscious that in WA we've done a lot more, we've had a lot more freedom than what, the eastern states have so grateful for that as well oh, look, you guys so, are doing it tough over there well queensland uh, you know I, we had a three-day lockdown recently and it was like three-day lockdown oh my god and then i look at you know people that i talked to in melbourne and sydney have been yeah. in lockdown for so long uh yes yeah, so, Seem, seemingly forever <laughs> well in fact i think melbourne at this point is uh the longest lockdown city in the world so um uh, yeah. And anyway, we can have all sorts of conversations about, you know, why that is, but uh, probably we'll say that for a different podcast. Yes. And, and, and so in terms of your growth uh, as individuals running this business um, uh, and leading to the success that you're experiencing, I mean, obviously you've spoken a lot about, um, you know, culture and about ensuring that you maintain good family values and respect the individuals, et cetera. Which, what, what else have you, if you were to sort of look at yourselves as leaders today as compared to 12 years ago, what, what are some of the other areas that you really feel that you've grown in? Uh, for me personally, much more empathetic and more willing to listen to other people's ideas. I think when you're much younger, you're more gung-ho and you, you think that your idea is always right, whereas now... Someone else has always got a point of view and I think we need to learn to listen to that, you know. We need to listen with our ears right. and not over-talk people, which is sometimes quite hard, especially for my personality who's always on the run um, and moving quite fast. So I think, yeah, if there's something I've learned is to slow down and listen and be empathetic. Mm-hmm. But, of course, your ideas are always better than Rob's. Yeah, absolutely, but don't <laughs> tell him that. <laughs> and what about for you, Rob? Um, personal growth for me. Uh, I'm an introvert by by heart, so yep. you know I'd much prefer to to be out on the tools with the boys and girls rather than um, stuck in an office uh, looking through emails and trying to work out budgets. So you know, un- unfortunately, that's not how it kind of sits. But um, I try to try to do that when I can. Yeah, you so. you, you miss being in the field. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, I suppose uh, it's one of the unfortunate side effects of growing a business is uh, 
you have to start doing things that you probably don't enjoy quite as much, but which are more necessary. So, uh, and, uh, uh, certainly, certainly, are, yeah, yeah, and uh, and when you're not traveling, uh, which we all aren't at the moment, what are some of the other things that you like to do, you know, as a family to uh, unwind and recharge the batteries? Um, living in the Pilbara, we do an awful lot of boating. Right, um, we do. A lot of camping and and fishing, of course. Yep. Um, and really, mate, that it, everything kind of centres around that. So, right. Um, and I... when we're in Perth, we eat a lot of food and, and play golf. <laughs> we, as in Natasha, you are playing golf too. No, I did take a few lessons, but um, my studies have taken over that time. So much to Rob's discussed. He's like, come on. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have time. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll get back to it at some stage. Well, the good thing about an MBA is it does finish, you know. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> it's getting that way. Oh, but, but anyway. Trying to, run a, trying to run a business and have a family and do an MBA and, you know, it's, it's a big work later. I, yes. I, I finished my MBA in 2003 and I vowed I will never, ever return and do any more study, but uh, <laughs> we shall see. So is there anything I haven't asked you about the business today that you were hoping that I would or any sort of comments you'd like to make? No, I think that you've covered it and we've, you know, given a clear view of who we are and what we like in our team. Yeah. So, yeah. Rob, have you got anything? Uh, not really, just uh, obviously the two different Two different sections or you know uh, departments of our business and so, you know, being the Pilbara and the Goldfields. Um, one looks after iron ore, the other looks after gold, but very similar services. So um, there are you know, definitely synergies between the two, but they are sometimes remotely different. Well, what are some of the you know for the non-mining people listening to this? What 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 are some of those uh, differences that are most apparent? Um, skill set mm-hmm. um, and possibly mindset between okay. the two. Right. Um, they, the miners definitely between gold and or different um, different commodities definitely think differently on how to go about stuff. So you know, it's a jumping the our employees going from one one miner to another definitely notice the differences. Um, be it subtle or major, but that's, I think that's, um, that's something that has taken a little bit of getting used to. So I can understand skill set, but it, explain a little bit about mindset. What, what's the, what are some of those glaring differences in mindset between uh, those two different types of mining? Uh, there are, I think, personality-wise, um, the, the mindset between... You know, getting to site, you know, the start of the start of work, and, and there are a lot of different synergies that I think are, are greatly different between the two. Right. Um, some sites that you go to, obviously, they're willing to help you and assist you in any way possible for you to achieve your goal of assisting them to do their maintenance. However, there are there are other sites that don't do that. They basically, they will, you know, here's a here's a challenge for you. Go and fix it and tell us when it's done. And, 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 and that's a difference between gold and iron ore rather than two different types of comp- two different Correct. businesses. Correct. You'll find okay. that most of the gold sites will 
uh, uh, one specific dynamic and most of the iron ore sites are oh, totally the opposite. That's, a, that's a fascinating. Uh, I wonder if that comes back to, you know, uh, the sort of the gold rush mentality of, you know, we uh, uh, versus, you know, more of uh, what I would call flat fire energy, you know, versus iron ore, which is more sort of steel energy. Do you think that's got something to do with it? Oh, I think it might. Wow. Okay. Oh, that'd, that'd be an interesting, uh, interesting thing to explore. Well, look, Robin and Natasha, um, I really appreciate your time today. I know that you're very busy, so I'll get, let you get on with your day. But thanks very much. Uh, uh, really great to get to know you. Uh, I think your business sounds fantastic, and you're obviously doing really well. And so, uh, all the best for the future. Thanks for your thanks time, so much Richard. For your time, Richard. All right. Good on you. Have a great okay. afternoon. You Good too. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Arate podcast with Richard Trinks. We frequently feature guests from organisations we are currently recruiting to build the company brand as an attraction strategy for candidates. If you would like to promote your organisation's brand as an employer of choice, please contact Richard directly on 0403 588 517 or via email richardt at arateexecutive.com.au. The Arate podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air podcast network.